Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include The yield curve is inverted. Should lenders care? My interview with Simple Nexus, J.R. Nasia, on the evolution and adoption of e-close. And the latest inflation reading in the form of the Consumer Price Index. The U.S. Treasury yield curve is currently inverted. What does that mean? Should it matter to lenders? The fact is, the yield curve, or a graphical representation of yields, usually of U.S. Treasury or government-backed securities, stretching from overnight to 30 years, has been inverted for several months. And yet the sun continues to rise in the east, geese head north for the summer, and the economy is not ground to a standstill. But what exactly does an inverted yield curve mean, and what are the implications for lenders? Let's start with the basics. Traditionally, shorter-term securities have lower rates, and longer-term securities have higher rates because obviously someone wants to be paid more if they're going to tie up their money for longer. Loan officers know that adjustable rate mortgages are usually lower than 15-year mortgages. This is important to lenders because bond traders and investors base their decision-making, what to buy or sell and at what price, on mortgage securities based on a spread to treasury securities. Being inverted means that short-term treasury yields, aka the one-year, two-year, and three-year, have higher rates of return, or yield, than say the 10-year or 30-year do. This is counterintuitive, since the longer you give someone your money for, the higher rate of return you'd expect. In periods of economic uncertainty, it makes sense to have an inversion of the yield curve. Short maturity interest rates exceed long maturity rates typically associated with the recession in the near future. When a yield curve inverts, investors are more apprehensive about the longer term than they are about the short term. They believe a recession is imminent. Short-dated deposits, bills, and notes offer higher yields than those on longer-dated bonds. But lenders should know that when the economy slows, rates go down. Yield curves are upward sloping to compensate investors for the added risk of tying up their money for longer periods. Longer-term bonds carry greater risk of various potential losses, ranging from inflation to default. Investors therefore normally require an additional return in the form of higher yields to offset the risks of venturing out along the yield curve. Keep in mind that a yield curve inversion does not cause a recession. Instead, the slope reflects changing expectations about the economy, and these expectations are useful predictors of economic downturns. Lenders and originators should keep in mind that yield curve normalization will only take place once the economy softens. However, lenders know that a soft economy can impact the percentage of borrowers that qualify. A soft economy might be far in the future, given the very tight labor market, with unemployment not really going down. For now, 30-year fixed rates are clustered around 6%, and that might be the norm for quite some time. Today's podcast is brought to you by Simple Nexus, an Encino company and award-winning developer of mobile-first technology for the modern mortgage lender. Nexus Closing's full menu of closing options, including traditional, hybrid, and full e-closings supports your preferred workflow with single sign-on convenience and makes it possible to close on a home from anywhere. To learn more about Nexus Closing, visit SimpleNexus.com. Speaking of which, I wanted to welcome back to the show Simple Nexus JR Nasia to talk about the evolution and adoption of e-close. As the VP of e-close solutions at Simple Nexus, she works with product, sales, and operations teams to help lenders increase productivity and efficiency with hybrid and fully digital closings that phase out paperwork, compress times to close, and improve the borrower, lender, and settlement agent experience. She has more than 25 years of experience building process and technology solutions for primary and secondary market mortgage operations. 
Jay, I want to start by asking you, how has lender sentiment around e-close adoption evolved over time? Thanks for the question, Rob. It's a very interesting time for um, everybody in the industry right now. And um, regard, with regards to closing, I'm finding that lenders have moved over into the micro level off e-closings um, compared to a few years ago. We just talked about the borrower experience or education on it. And I find now lenders are asking questions about how did we do this in paper? How are we doing this electronically? And uh, things like, how did we make corrections? How did we do redraws? Uh, what can a system do that we have to do manually? And uh, folks are really revisiting processes for collateral and ancillary docs. And I find that there is a lot more focus. I've spoken about it a lot of times, so have others. But there's a lot of focus on savings. You know, look at those micro-level savings. Uh, what is the dollar savings when you do just a hybrid e-close versus a hybrid with an e-note and when you attach RON? There's just a lot of excitement with, um, you know, RON being moved forward in states as well. So I think we're reaching a point where lenders are asking the questions we've been waiting for them to ask so we know utilization will increase. That is great that lenders are putting more focus and attention on closing. And I think it leads to a more mature workflow execution. And so I want to ask you, what are, what are some of the aspects around e-close that lenders are most excited about, in your opinion? I think the most exciting piece for the lenders um, we work with directly is the fact that they're seeing more warehouse banks, more investors um, joining the sand sandbox. Just over the last few weeks, I've helped more lenders uh, review some testing for newer warehouse banks they're adding into their um, e-note capabilities um, and new investors. Uh, they're filling in the forms, completing the testing independently. When they have questions, they reach out. And um, they're very excited about this because it's no, it's a known fact, nothing new, that there isn't really any pricing difference when you're doing e-close, um, or neither is there the opportunity to say, I'm going to close everything as an e-close and then figure out what's happening in secondary, right? The lenders needed for more investors, more warehouse banks, servicers, subservicers to be able to accept e-notes. So their pool grows larger when it comes to certain types of um, loans. Um, yes, there are still restrictions, uh, you know, for let's say your co-op or your construction department or your Texas cash out refi or your SEMA loans. But now that the pool is will get larger for a majority of the loan types lenders do, it just makes it a lot easier. Um, and a lot of folks have heard over the last few months and last year in the uh, conference circuit that Ginny May is expanding on their digital collateral program as well. So just all these things coming in reduce the burden on a lender's back office team to understand where that loan is going. So lenders are excited about that. Well, it sounds like you're excited about it too. So I want to I want to ask you either from an industry perspective or a company perspective, what are some of the behind the scenes accomplishments related to eclose that you personally are most proud of? I think for me, the um, two things that are upcoming is one, our um, Nexus Vision product, the way we have incorporated um, 
you know, lender's ability to see savings in that product. That's one. And then um, the native vault. Simple Nexus has a vault. It's uh, passing through all its tests and lenders will be able to utilize it, originators, investors, others, um, very soon. Um, And it will also serve as a base product to keep moving forward for additional products that Simple Nexus can look at, right? There is once a loan closes and it's sold in the secondary market, you have all the um, bases covered for the note collateral documents. But we also have a great closing portal that can be utilized further for title documents, trailing documents, policies. Um, and then you have other areas of um, simple nexus that can be used potentially in um, you know servicing spaces down the road. So all of it is very exciting. It's an exciting time to have a base product so well set up. Um, for the future for the industry. Um, It highlights essentially that we can look at not only the core players, which is the loan officer and the borrower, but we are well equipped to look at the adjacent players, your underwriter, processor, closer, post-closer, title companies, so on. Well, let's go from what you're excited about to what I'm excited about. And and I mean this earnestly rather than cheesily. I'm very appreciative of Simple Nexus's involvement with this podcast and uh, their continued sponsorship, it's meant a lot to me. So I want to give you a chance to talk about Simple Nexus and their eClose ROI dashboard specifically here. Can you tell us about this new dashboard that's now available in Nexus Vision? Yeah, of course. Uh, We have uh, users on it. We are adding more. I'm demoing a lot, um, specifically this month. One of the things that I touched on earlier was the savings aspect, right? We can talk about savings for a lender, but how do we individualize that to a particular lender and allow them the ability to monitor those savings on their own through their own dashboard? Nexus Vision can do that. Essentially, you can see uh, there is default settings for the dollar amounts you could save, but you can adjust them do what you believe you're saving in all the different areas. We'll walk you through how to make that adjustment. And then over time, over rolling 12 months per month, you can really see the dollar amounts that you save for closing. The most important to that is what are you leaving behind when you're doing a traditional closing, right? That delta shows as well too. Um, In the future within Nexus Vision and in that ROI space, we want to allow the lenders to make some projections as well so they can project what they potentially could be saving. Um, so it's it's a really, really nifty tool, very simple to use. Um, it's got a lot of brains behind it at Nexus Vision. Um, Mary Denton, who's a core part of that team, has helped uh, really bring that to life. So it's been an exciting um, um, product for us. I have a, a quick follow-up there for you. So you talk about companies being able to start doing projections and that the the first question I asked you was how eclose adoption has evolved over time. In addition to projections, how do you see eclose continuing to evolve as we move forward? Where do you see it going from here? So, from all of my observations over the years, um, you know, you see advancements, and we've talked about this before too. You see advancement in borrower qualification, appraisal, title searches. Uh, People tell me title searches can be done in minutes versus waiting for abstractors to bring you the report. I remember those days you read the report, you prepared the binder. As you see all of that upfront process in that loan process or loan life cycle 
becoming more electronic, automated, and the distance between all of this, those things reducing, I don't see us going back to a paper process for closing. Um, one, it's a disservice to the borrower because the borrower loses track completely of what was done electronically, and now you're going, going to save paper again. So beyond being a disservice, I think it really kills the experience for what I mentioned, the core and the adjacent users uh, in any organization as well. So I think we will continue seeing the evolution with more people adopting, utilization increasing, products getting enhanced to deliver just better and better experiences. Um, I think we're going to see a wave of um, just full adoption of e-closed. You already have hybrid adoption. Most lenders are at a point of doing 60 to 90 percent. And these lenders tell me that they have about 85% utilization for the initial disclosures. And they say, well, if the borrower does initial disclosures through um, electronic means, they don't believe that borrower is going to go back on closing. It's just the product that some folks are skeptical about and those keep getting enhanced. So, yeah, very exciting times ahead for electronic closings. Certainly sounds like it. I want to close by asking you, about transparency here. Why should transparency, visibility into your data be a key component of evaluating an e-close solution? I think for any um, lender in the mortgage space, any investments they make should give them some level of ROI, what they're going to get back for their investments. And then what is the additional ROI that's, that the product can offer beyond your initial expectation, right? So when you talk about um, anything electronic, the piece that you are, it's, I call it, it's the implicit benefit is you get data and there is no more data entry jobs anywhere, right? So you don't, you're not going to close in paper and then you know update that document or update any system with data by data entry, you're going to have the data available to you. And that's one of the things that's most exciting and should be for lenders. Say for a system that I use, I use it for the upfront benefit of providing electronic closings to my borrowers. But the backend benefit of it is I get to see the data of what I've actually closed in what region, where, in what time frame. And what did I save in that process? So on. So I think data becomes very, very important with anything you're trying to do electronically. I very much agree with you there. Jay, thanks for coming back on to the podcast and talking to me today. That was great. Always. Ahead of today's consumer price index release for March, we've had a chorus of Fed officials continue to beat the drum that more needs to be done to get inflation down, despite broader financial and economic stresses. Chicago Fed President Goolsby did say yesterday that the Fed should be careful about raising rates too aggressively until there's more evidence about progress in taming inflation. The Fed's overall insistence that there remains work to be done to reestablish price stability leads one to believe that more pain will need to be felt before we get a true reversal on Fed policy. With 30-year fixed mortgage rates at the lowest level in two months, we learned today that mortgage applications increased 5.3% from one week earlier, according to data from the Mortgage Bankers Association. We've also had the all-important March CPI report, clocking in at up 0.1% versus expectations to increase 0.3% month-over-month and 5.2% year-over-year versus 0.4% and 6.0% previously. 
The core reading increased 0.4% when it was expected to increase 0.4% month over month, 5.6% year over year. Inflation is still more than double the Fed's 2% inflation objective. The monthly increases in CPI for January and February do not inspire confidence that 2% is just around the corner. Most of the smartest guys in the room think another 25 base point rate hike will likely take hold at the Fed's May meeting, which Fed funds futures are largely pricing in, bringing the policy target rate range to 5 to 5.25%. Markets are expecting the Fed to pause rate hikes in June. Later today brings a Treasury auction of $32 billion of reopened 10-year notes. In reopening, the U.S. Treasury issues additional amounts of a previously issued security with the same maturity date and coupon interest rate or spread as the original security, but with a different issue date and usually a different purchase price. This afternoon also brings the minutes from the March 21st and 22nd FOMC meeting and remarks from Richmond Fed President Barkin and San Francisco Fed President Daly. Tomorrow, we will receive the latest reading of inflation at the wholesale level in the form of the producer price index. We begin the day after the consumer inflation reading with agency MBS prices better an eighth to a quarter and the 10-year yielding 3.37 after closing yesterday at 3.43%. The two-year yield is at 3.93%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. With the MBA's advocacy conference coming up next week, it reminded me about the time I'd lobbied a congressman at Washington, D.C., when I stopped to use the restroom. After washing my hands, I stepped up to the hand dryer and noticed a note pasted on it. After washing my hands, I stepped up to the hand dryer and noticed a note pasted to it. The note said, push button for a message from Congress. <laughs> Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus, the homeownership platform that unites the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into one seamless end-to-end solution that spans engagement, origination, closing, incentive compensation, and business intelligence. To learn more about Simple Nexus, an Encino company, visit simplenexus.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.